Welcome to Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care is a program of the Avoiding Drugs as Chemical Restraints Consumer Education Campaign, a partnership of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care and AARP Foundation. Join us as we talk with national experts and advocates about strategies you can use in the pursuit of quality long-term care. In this discussion with Sonia Barsanes, we'll talk about understanding person-centered care, a philosophy that honors the needs, preferences, and goals of residents by emphasizing choice, self-determination, relationships, and other similar values. Hi, I'm Lori Smetanka with the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care, and welcome to today's episode of Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, our podcast. Everyone living in a long-term care facility deserves good care that meets their needs and takes into account their likes, dislikes, preferences, and goals. But what does that really mean and how do we achieve it? Well, today we're talking with Sonia Barsness, who's going to help us figure that out. Sonia is a master's prepared gerontologist with 25 years of experience in aging, primarily in dementia care and long-term care. As a consultant, she works with organizations to support elders, particularly particularly elders with dementia and living with meaning and purpose, regardless of cognitive or functional challenges or where they live. Her work is grounded in a person-centered philosophy that honors the unique needs, preferences, and goals of elders through core values of choice, dignity, respect, self-determination, relationship, and purposeful living. Sonia uses an array of skills in education, research, policy, and practice to work with organizations that provide services to elders, advocate for elders, or provide education to those interacting with elders. She has extensive collaborative relationships with organizations at the federal, state, and local levels, and we're really glad to be working with her at Consumer Voice and are really glad that you're with us today. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Lori. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, thanks for joining us. This is such an important topic and one that I think is really timely, frankly, at all times, but particularly right now. So much of your work focuses on how people living in long-term care are supported through person-centered values. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Absolutely. So for me, there's lots of definitions of person-centeredness around For me, what person-centeredness means is knowing who people are, what's important to them, and then finding ways to support them based on that. Uh And so at a very fundamental level, it just goes to who somebody is as a human being. I I also, I really see person-centered care as something based on values. Like there there are these underlying values and you mentioned them, you know, uh, the ones that I like to say are exactly those that um, Pioneer Network has stated and other organizations choice, dignity, respect, self-determination, relationship, meaningful living. The last one is of particular importance to me, meaningful living. Mm -hmm. And I think it is something that we sometimes, I'm not going to say we don't, we neglect it. It's just that we don't necessarily lead with it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you break down this idea of meaningful living, it's a focus on meaning. What's important to people, you know, uh, how they want to live their life. This is central to us as human beings. And the other part of that is living you know, how, how do we want to live? And I remember so clearly I was in a nursing home and I was having a focus group with residents. And one of the women who lived there said to me, you know, ever since I've been here, when I moved in, everyone's always asking me all these medical questions, but no one has ever asked me how I want to live. Uh-huh. And I thought that was so profound 
because she's cut, she's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what person centeredness is to me. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's so important because when you hear people talk about going to a nursing home or needing to go to a nursing home, they, they feel it with dread. They think that they're giving up their lives, that they're just, you know, the kind of the perception is that you go to a nursing home to die, that you don't have choice or things that are important to you don't mean anything anymore. And it shouldn't be that way. That's not what meaningful living is. And that's not what life in a long-term care facility should be like. No, and nor does it have to be right. It's just that we have created a system over many years with valid reasons, you know, that has lost its focus, I guess, on those things, you know, and that's what person-centered care can do is help us rebuild things so that we have this different focus. And of course, we have to meet people's medical needs. Of course, you know, we want to focus on what people need from a physical, you know, cognitive, emotional perspective. And that's a part of it. But the way I I always see it is like, then the care is here, you know, it's supporting the living. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not that it's secondary in a sense, it's less important. It's just, it is truly supportive, you know, mm-hmm. of these bigger values. Absolutely. And certainly when you think about it, providing person-centered care um, really helps not only the person have a better quality of life, but also you can provide better care if you yeah. know the person. Don't yes. you think that's true? Absolutely. I think that that is like maybe the secret, you know, of person-centered care that sometimes I think people get nervous. They go, oh my gosh, it just sounds like it's going to make things a lot harder for me. My job's going to be harder. But I think the reality is the experience I have had is that when people truly start practicing person-centeredness, it makes their jobs easier, Uh you know, because they know the people they're caring for and they can better then serve them. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, um, in terms of like examples of person-centered care, and one that we often hear a lot about is letting a person wake up or go to bed on their own, like when it, so not, you know, going in at six or five in the morning to wake them up. And, and I know myself, if I'm woken up before I'm ready to get up, I am really cranky. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So what are some other examples of person-centered care that, you know, that you find um, can be provided for people? So I think there are so many small and big examples. So I think it's everything like that. It's kind of like the small everyday things like somebody eating what they want to eat when they want to eat it. And also not eating what they don't want to eat, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, having that choice to be able to do that. And that's okay. I think it's sitting with a person sometimes with five for five minutes because that person's lonely or scared. I think it's, Uh, knowing, you know, that a person with dementia was a nurse for 45 years in the same hospital and delivered thousands of babies. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, knowing uh, it's, it's about supporting a person that their day is driven by what's important to them, meaning like that first cup of coffee, you know, that so many of us relish, right? Having maybe a cup of cup, you know, having that cup in silence and maybe watching the birds or whatever is important to you, listening to your favorite music, rather than a day that's driven by the the needs and preferences of the organization or the people who work in it. Uh I think that's person-centered care. I think it's a culture of care where the people who work there are truly supported and listened to and honored. And that is equally as important. That is person-centered care too. It's about knowing the team, understanding what they need, um, understanding uh, what's not going well Uh and helping them to achieve that. 
um, I think, you know, the, the word that always comes to mind with person-centered care is community, actually, mm-hmm. because I think you have to have a community in order for it to happen. And I remember another resident said to me once, community is a place to be whole. And to me, that is one of the best definitions of person-centered care mm-hmm. I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, um, when you think about, uh, oftentimes when we think about person-centered care, you know, we think about, you know, the person kind of directing what they want, telling you what it is that they want, what their likes and dislikes are. But, you know, a lot of people living in long-term care facilities have dementia. And you referenced that just a minute ago, you know, mm-hmm. knowing the life of a person or the background or the preferences mm-hmm. of a person with dementia. Could you talk about a little bit, a little bit more about that and the importance of person-centered care including for people with dementia. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think person-centered care is particularly important for people with dementia because in in many cases it may be difficult for a person with dementia to tell their story to us in in entirety. You know, and so when we know them, you know, when we know who they are now, who they've been, their life story, what's important to them, we can better support them if we don't know them then what happens is we get into a position where we might be trying to support a person in a way that actually is not meeting their needs. Mm-hmm. And they will tell us through their expressions, you know, they will tell us that that's not what they want. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we call that behaviors or, you know, behavioral or psychological symptoms of dementia and all these different things. But the reality is that is to me kind of a, a symptom, you know, that perhaps there's a disconnect, you know, between what this person really needs and what we're giving them. Mm-hmm. And I think person-centered care is sort of the antidote to that. I mean, it's the way that we can better serve people with dementia. And it's the way that we can kind of see the way a person acts is different too. It's, it's a way of us understanding a person. Like, you know, if we know that a person with dementia grew up with six sisters, And, you know, that might help explain why every night she's going to, you know, try to sleep with other female residents. And so in a person-centered framework, we would look at that and go, okay, what's happening? Why is she doing this? And then we would try to think of a way that we can meet her need, which her need is connection. You know, her need is identity. It's uh, all these, you know, comfort maybe. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how person-centered care really, really helps us with people with dementia. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So knowing, you know, what the person's history is can really help you provide better care and meet the the innate needs that the person has, which Mm -hmm. then often prevents some of the struggles that unfortunately we see that are that are too often addressed in, you know, ways that we don't always find appropriate. Um, So, yeah, this is really important. Yeah, it's so important. No, I'm sorry. I I mean, I think it's, you know, when you kind of think about it too. So what, again, you know, going back to person-centeredness is about knowing who someone is, what's important to them. So when we don't practice person-centered care with people with dementia, what happens is that we see the diagnosis and we, we don't see the person, right? And then we see them as medical problems, not, you know, persons with needs. And so that does lead us down this whole different path of how we support the person that is not really helping anybody. It's not effective. And as a care partner, it's awful, you know, to, to not be able to support a person in the way that you want. Right. So it also, it, I think it puts care partners in really bad positions of not having the information they need about a person when we don't practice person-centeredness. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, the whole concept of person-centered care is one that, you know, our organization has been supportive of, you know, forever Mm -hmm. from the very beginning of the time. And one of our former executive directors, um, Alice Het, had created Mm -hmm. a document that we still have on our website now called, excuse me, My Personal Directions, which is a great tool that people can just download and fill out and and it just asks some simple questions about how do you like to spend your mornings or what is important to you or what's your favorite song or you know just some different things that could help someone really know a little bit more about you Um, because not only is it I think providing good care for the person but it's also when you find things that are innate in that person it helps in calming them down if they are distressed or you know, having problems that day or challenges that day. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great document. I've definitely pointed to that many times over the years. And I know another great document, uh, Karen Stobie had created, it's called About Me, and I'm sure she'd be happy to share it too on, on the site if it's not already there. And it's similar. It just talks about who a person is. It's not, it's for not just people with dementia, it's for anybody. Sure. And it tells us about who they are, even things like what's your pet peeve, what makes you angry, which is like such a helpful small bit of information that we might not think to always gather from someone. It's not necessarily something that the MDS is collecting, you know, so it's just kind of a great companion, I think, that really helps us. No, absolutely. Folks can get um, the My Personal Directions document on our website at www.theconsumervoice.org. And we'll get in touch with Karen, too, to um, see if we can link to her document as well um, and have it there. That would be great for folks um, that are listening today. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you talk a little bit about um, like what some of the supports might be um, for providing person-centered care that might be needed for a person? Absolutely. So There are systems in general that need to be in place, I think, in order for person-centered care to happen. You know, I think that, you know, maybe fundamentally, of course, getting to know a person, knowing who a person is, understanding. But I think, you know, in the complex systems of long-term care that we operate in, you need systems in order for these things to really be deep and sustainable. And so I think I like to a lot of times point to the practices that uh, Barbara Frank and Kathy Brady have worked on their foundational practices of relational coordination, as they're called. And they're just fundamental practices that really every nursing home, every assisted living can use that they have this basic level of infrastructure so that they can communicate with each other and provide person-centered care. And so there are things like consistent staffing you know, the same staff working with the same residents whenever they are there. And that is so fundamental to knowing a person. I mean, the only way you can develop a relationship with someone is to actually spend time with them, right? So that is foundational. It it also contributes to the stability of the organization overall, Um, like huddles or other types of communication systems that allow people who work in nursing homes and assist living to regularly talk to each other, share information. Like I always say, like, if you find out something about a resident, it's not as helpful if you're the only one that knows it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, I mean, I think that's, you know, we struggle with that in long-term care. Communication is such a challenge, but it's so foundational to person-centered care. If we don't do something to work on communication systems, I think it becomes really difficult actually for person-centered care to kind of stick. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what else? I was writing notes here. Um, I think there is a reality that there needs to be enough staff, you yeah. know, working in a nursing home, right? I mean, I, you know, I can't say there's a magic number in my head. I can't say that I would necessarily point to one, 
But I think we can all agree. I mean, I've been in nursing homes where if you have one CNA that's taking care of 18 to 20 residents with high needs, it's not possible to really spend time with those residents or get to know them or meet their needs fully. So, you know, that I think is definitely, and, and I think, you know, uh, like backing up to like, there does need to be leadership, both formal and informal that really creates a culture that supports person-centered care that is always asking their team, you know, how are you? What do you need? What's going well? What's not going well? How can I help you? Uh Um, This kind of culture of curiosity and learning and that's not just at the top, like just the administrator, although that's important, it's, it's throughout the organization. Uh-huh. You know, I think that needs to happen. So those things I think need to be in place. And then, you know, just even when we talked about, you know, these different types of documents and guides about me and uh, the directions tool, I mean, it's in order for those to be sustained, there has to be a system, right. you know, so that though that information is gathered, it's shared. So I'm a big systems person. I do believe (laughs) that that is kind of the, you know, the the underlying secret of prison center care is in order for us to make it happen. It's painful, you know, to develop systems, but it's definitely possible. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and once you've developed the systems and put them into effect, frankly, it saves you time and efficiency. So it may take a little bit of time to put them in place, but then you're golden after that in terms of having them available to really support your staff and the residents. And, And I really, you know, like what you said about... Um, the support of staff also is part of the person-centered care process because that's so true. I mean, staffing has been a critical issue for us Mm -hmm. uh, for the years we promote a staffing standard um, and you can't adequately care for someone else if you are not adequately cared for yourself. I think we've seen that time and time again. Yeah, 100% agree. And, you know, I think this is such, you know, uh, important work. It's it's intense work and, you know, we should be providing people with everything they need to be able to do their jobs well. And yeah. people want to do their jobs well, yeah. you know, so that's a part of person-centered care. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we're talking, we're in the midst nine months into a pandemic and that has really upended a lot of the way care is being provided about access to families and residents and advocates and others. And so how are you seeing COVID impacting the provision of person-centered care in the residents and facilities you deal with? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can, I can really only speak anecdotally in terms of what I see in here. I don't myself have like research that I've seen specifically that, you know, I feel like is getting to this, I guess, as deeply as we'd like, which I'm sure is going to happen. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you that I hear kind of two different things. You know, one, on one hand, I hear that in these times, person-centered care is kind of an afterthought, a nice to have, you know, um, not something that, people are feeling like they can devote their focus to, which is of course entirely understandable given the challenges of COVID and the need to perhaps divert attention to infection control and other COVID related issues, right? Uh So very understandable. On the other hand, I struggle with that because I really believe that person-centered care is actually the framework through which we can address COVID, you know, in the best way, right? You know, and so it's not a nice to have, it is actually the way that can help us all to kind of get through this. And 
I think that like an example of this, you know, especially with people with dementia, I think about, you know, having this person-centered framework is so helpful to us. And it's something that I've heard a lot. You've probably heard a lot too, is people have had challenges, for example, with people with dementia wearing masks. And so I think what happens naturally in those situations is that we kind of default to a, okay, I have to have this person wear a mask at all costs. I'm just going to make them do it. Right. (laughs) And we know that doesn't go well. Right. (laughs) But I think if you have a person centered framework, what you're doing is you're taking a step back. You're looking at the person with dementia. You're asking yourself, who is this person? What's happening? Why are they not wanting to wear a mask? Is it everything from discomfort to confusion about what that mask is for to like Mm -hmm. a lack of consistent, clear communication about what's happening and why you need to wear a mask? Is it, you know, understanding things from the perspective of the person with dementia? Um, You know, maybe they're just trying to make sense of what's happening around them. This, there's an incredible anxiety that people with dementia are likely feeling because it's unclear what's happening. Uh And so they're trying to make sense of it. So maybe that's how their anxiety is manifesting is um, being scared that people are asking me to wear a mask. And what does this mean? I think it goes, you know, also a person-centered framework in that case would encourage you to look at who this person is and what's important to them. So you have, you know, um, you know, Mrs. Little, maybe you know that Mrs. Little is a highly social person and she loves to go around and visit people by wearing a mask that inhibits her ability to smile at people, to talk to people. So maybe you would think about like, okay, what are the situations in which it's absolutely vital that she wears a mask and what are the situations in which it doesn't? That's all person-centered care. So I think person-centered care can give us, you know, those, that framework that can actually help us kind of evaluate these very difficult situations that are not black and white. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, We were talking with someone a couple months ago um, who was talking about the mask issue with people with dementia saying, well, why does it have to be a mask? Like, can it be a different kind of face covering? Can it be a scarf? (laughs) You know, they might be more amenable to that or, you know, and as so many residents are experiencing anxiety and depression and um, just a lot of other psychosocial challenges from being separated from their families um, the way they are, um, it might also help you find ways to comfort them. Um, Absolutely. And that's really important too, that people, you know, receive, um, receive the care and the services and the comforts that they need to go from day to day while we're working our way through this crisis. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because I think, you know, this emotional component of COVID is something that perhaps gets overlooked, you know, again, for valid reasons, but it is so important for all of us, you know, but particularly for people living in long-term care and, you know, this weighing, I think we're doing, and we're learning more and more about is, you know, weighing the emotional impact of isolation, weighing the emotional impact of, you know, lack of connection with the reality Uh of safety and the virus. Right. And so, but we still have to focus on an emotional component. We still have to support people in their entirety, you know, right. not just their physical needs, not just, you know, on, uh, the infection control needs, which are yeah. important. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So as you're talking, you know, as we think about um, supporting residents and families, how can mm-hmm. we help them receive or obtain person-centered care for themselves or for their loved ones? What, what would you tell a family member or a resident as you're talking with them? Such a great question. That, um, I, there's so many different things that come to mind. Um, I think that at a really fundamental level, for residents, I would say 
ensure that the people who are supporting you in your nursing home, assisted living, know you, you know, tell your story to them, tell them who you are, even if it's not being asked necessarily, uh, just tell them who you are, make sure they know who you are. And for family members as well, I would say, you know, ensure that your family member is known who they are as a person, what their history is, who they are now, what they like, what they don't like. I think families and residents, you play such an important role in doing that. And so not to assume that is not important because that is vitally important, you know? And so even if it's not actively sought out, that is also modeling the importance of that. So I think that's extremely important. Um, I also like in, in terms of larger systemic change, I do think that it's important for residents and families to be at the table, you know, as an organization is perhaps trying to become more person centered or maybe is not person centered that it's important that residents and families find ways to share how important that is to them and what that means to them. And so that means maybe residents and families do need to be to kind of become more knowledgeable even about what person centered care is. I know Consumer Voice has great materials on that you know, Pioneer Network, Eden Alternative, Greenhouse Projects, lots of free and great information that really mm -hmm. talks about what that means. And that way you can speak the language, you know, and you can even model the language, mm -hmm. you know? So if someone calls you a dementia patient, you can explain why that's offensive, yeah. <laughs> you, right. know? Um, you know? So I think that's a really big part of it. I do feel like that it is possible to talk to leadership as well about the need to perhaps become more person-centered. I think the more that families and residents speak out about that and that that is what they would like to see, I feel like that it's a working relationship then, you know, that people can come together and recognize that they have shared goals and interests and that person-centered right. care actually can help them accomplish that. So I think if, it, if those things are done in the spirit of listening, and um, understanding mm -hmm. that it can be very successful, actually. So I think people can advocate for themselves actually, absolutely on almost every level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, I think, just a great point for families who are looking for what they can do um, to support residents and for residents themselves as they're looking to get better care, better quality of life, and to support themselves, to be empowered, to advocate for themselves um, also. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Sonia, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed um, having you in this conversation on really this really critical and fundamental topic um, that I think it gets at the core of providing good care for people who need long-term services. And frankly, we all want person-centered care. Um, it doesn't yeah. mean just people that living in long-term care facilities. We all want to be treated where we have our likes, our dislikes, our preferences, our goals, acknowledged, honored, um, just as we Absolutely. live our daily lives, right? Absolutely. This is what we all want for ourselves. And so we can understand it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Sonia. So glad to have you with us today. We appreciate you taking the time. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening in on today's podcast. Again, you can get information about the the documents that we were talking about at our website at www.theconsumervoice.org. And we'll have links to them along with the recording of today's program. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. Make sure to visit our website, theconsumervoice.org slash pursuingquality, where you can subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and find more information about the campaign. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.